All right, Alexander, let's talk about the energy, oil, gas, economic situation going on in Europe and Russia, oh, the world, really. Uh, what's, what do we have? We have a, an oil price cap. We have a, a gas price cap. <laughs> we, have, um, we have revelations from uh, uh, trans, Transneft, I believe. Is it Transneft? That's right. Yes, yeah, that's, that's that uh, Poland and and Germany they're they're ordering a whole bunch of oil from uh, Russia from the Druzba yes. pipeline. But boy, are yeah. they ordering all kinds of Russian oil. So uh, so next yeah. time people in Poland or uh, or Germany fill up their uh, their car, we yeah. you know you're going to be you're going to be helping Putin's yeah. war machine. <laughs> but um, uh, you, you know it just goes to show that these EU countries they say one thing, but they yeah. need the oil. They need the yep. oil and they need the gas. And you also have the the narrative that uh, that the ruble is uh, is plummeting. It's fallen by twenty percent. Well, my take on this is, and I and I said this seven eight months ago. We we said this many times. Sixty a sixty dollar uh, a ruble, uh, sixty sixty rubles to the dollar, was something that the Russians probably did not want. I think they're probably much more comfortable with seventy. Yeah. To the dollar. Yeah. I think they, they actually like the 70 to 80. Yes. For various reasons, for a lot of reasons. But uh, I think even the 60 was something that the Russian government was like, eh, this is, this is kind of too, too strong for, yeah. uh, for us. But yes. uh, anyway, that's just part of the, the yeah. overall economic situation. Yes. I mean, I, I, I've you know, spent far too much time, in my opinion, talking about this rural movements. The only real important figure about the ruble is what its value is in Russia itself. And their inflation rates are falling. So the ruble within Russia is becoming stronger. And you're absolutely right. The Russian government wasn't happy with a $60 ruble. It was too strong. It was affecting Russian exports. Now, if it goes up to 70 rubles, well, they actually said, sorry, $70, sorry. Well, they actually were saying in the summer that that's where they would be happier for it to go. Now, there's been, there was a fall in oil prices at the end of last year, all kinds of structural reasons for that. Um, so from a Russian point of view, weakening the ruble, and I'm pretty sure, by the way, it was the Russian government that weakened the ruble. <laughs> I mean, it's they who've probably been spending rubles in or, and buying foreign exchange. The Russian Central Bank has just published its uh, information about its foreign exchange reserves. They've just increased by, I think it was $15 billion or something. So, I mean, they've clearly been selling rubles and buying foreign exchange, including RMB, Chinese RMB because they wanted to soften the ruble at a time when they need to balance out the fact that oil prices have been lower. So the point is that Russian oil is produced, it's produced in rubles, sold in various currencies, dollars, RMB, whatever. If you lower the value of the ruble against those other currencies, then you're getting more rubles for that oil than you would otherwise do. And that suits the Russian budget and it suits Russian oil producers. I think that's the entirety of this story. And as I said, I'm pretty sure the central bank 
and the Russian government has been behind this thing. So I mean, I'm not going to spend more time on this because it seems to me this is a stale topic. Every couple of years, the ruble goes up, the ruble goes down, people get very excited. And in the end, it never means anything, or at least not what people think it does. Now, let's talk about the situation in the energy system, because you're absolutely right. We have the oil price cap, we have the gas price cap. The actual reality, the underlying reality is that going forward into 2023, we are looking at increasing shortages of both gas and oil. And those oil and gas price caps, as Putin has just said, are going to make those shortages even worse because, of course, what is happening is that not only is Russian oil anyway going to be redirected eastwards, which is what the Russians are saying, but China is opening up and it's going to, its demands for oil and gas are going to grow. And the United States has depleted its strategic reserve. So the the extent to which the Biden administration can go on pumping oil into the global oil supply system um, has now probably come close to its limits. So there's likely to be a shortage of oil and of gas next year. And it's highly likely that prices are going to rise. We are having a cold winter. Um, I was just just before we did this program reading a report in the Daily, Daily Telegraph in Britain that there's an Arctic um, zone over the United States, which points to the United States having a very cold winter. We've just been through a cold spell in northern Europe. That's going to inevitably increase energy consumption. So we're looking forward. We're looking now to a likely shortage of oil and gas. And of course, we're working very hard in the West to make that shortage even worse with these strange sanctions and these very weird oil and gas price caps, which the Russians will not comply with and which might, which is going to remove inevitably oil and gas, Russian oil and gas from Western markets. Right. Um, the EU, they have, they have said that, uh, that with this oil price cap that they put in place in the ninth sanctions package, they've reached the limits. Of, yeah. uh, of what they can sanction. Actually, Mark Rutte even said this as well. And there, yeah. there was an EU commissioner that came yeah. out and, and said it. So where, where does this leave us? Well, because there's nothing more that the EU could do. I mean, yeah, it's, sanctions it's, level or, or an economic, this economic war of attrition, it, it, it's, it's over. Yeah, it's, it, it's left us in a total mess. I mean, you have people like Olaf Scholz, who admittedly is... Well, and maybe not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but even he is now admitting that, you know, he would like to go back once the war in conflict in Ukraine is over. He would like to go back to the nice situation we had before where Russian oil and Russian gas, you know, comes westwards again and everything goes back to the status quo. Nobody Nobody seriously believes that's going to happen. If you think it's going to happen, then you should just read what Putin has just been saying in the various speeches that he's been making. I mean, his bitterness towards the West, towards the Europeans, 
particularly is, I mean, it's, I mean, he's snapped. He even, in effect, apologized to the Russian people. People haven't picked this up, but he even, in effect, apologized to the Russian people in front of the military at the Collegium of the Russian Defense Ministry. He said, I tried, I tried repeatedly to build good relations with the West, with the Europeans, and I failed because it's impossible, because these people will never accept us. They don't want us as, they don't regard us as civilized people. They don't want us in their so-called civilized world. So there is no going back to the situation which existed before. And I think that's a done thing now. I think we will never get oil and gas being supplied to Europe from Russia on the, in the way that it was. But even allowing for that, by trying to impose this price gap, these price gaps, we've made things worse because there's internationally traded oil and gas, which comes from Russia. And there's now a structural problem because we've said we're not going to buy that and we're going to punish anybody who tries to trade in that. We're going to deny them insurance services if they exceed the price cap. The Chinese are doing so. The Indians are doing so. But it's creating a structural problem in the world. Energy markets, and as Putin has also pointed out in another speech he's made, he's made lots of speeches this week, by the way. He's been so busy, it's almost ridiculous. But anyway, he's also pointed out that these attempts to try to impose caps, what he calls administrative measures to lower energy prices at a time of energy shortage is just going to make those shortages worse. And he's right. Any economist would tell you as much. Uh, um, people have been saying this Every, I mean, they've, lots of economists have been saying it. Uh, uh, Steve Mnuchin, the former Treasury Secretary, said it. Nonetheless, they went ahead and did it. I mean, what Mark Rutte and all of those people ought to be saying is not that we're going to, we, we, we've given up imposing more sanctions because we've reached the limits of what we can do in sanctions terms. What they really need to start doing is say to themselves, have the sanctions worked? No. Russian economy is still there. Its GDP contraction has been actually very small. Industrial production is back to where it was this time last year, probably going to rise next year. Inflation in Russia is falling which it is, it's below where it is in many places in the EU, probably quite a lot below where it is in many places in the EU. And Russian foreign policy and policy towards Ukraine has not shifted one inch. So instead of talking about, well, we can't do more in, in sanctions terms because we've reached the limit, what they ought to be doing is saying these sanctions aren't working and start to take steps to dismantle them. But of course they won't. They will continue in the same course that they have. They will threaten and bully anybody in the EU, who, like Orban, who says, well, this has gone too far. They will continue with this present course. And the deindustrialization of Europe, which we were talking about at the start of this year on this channel, you and I, before anybody else did, everybody's talking about it now, but it's only going to gain further momentum.
It's amazing that uh, that oil is moving through the uh, Druzba. I mean, the Druzba is important for Hungary and and Serbia, yeah. from what I remember as well. But uh, yeah, it's amazing I mean, that they're that they're actually allowing the the oil to flow through there. Yeah, I mean, well, which is which is of course flatly contradicts the sanctions, which said that these countries, Germany and Poland, wouldn't take any Russian pipeline gas. They probably are. Again, the question is, at what price are they telling the Russians? Well, we're not going to buy your oil at more than $60 a barrel because we're not going to buy at any level because we've imposed this price cap. If they say that to the Russians, the Russians won't sell that oil, even if that oil is currently trading at, say, $40 a barrel, because that's what the Russians have said. And we know that there's a decree coming, which Putin is due to sign next week. He says either on Monday or Tuesday, in which he's going to set out, they're going to set out the legal uh, barriers to selling oil to countries that apply the oil price cap. So we'll see where it, where all this goes and what it does. But it ought to be a lesson that Europe cannot get by without Russian oil and without Russian gas. It ought to be a further lesson to the West. If you start interfering in this way with energy markets, you're only going to create massive problems for yourself. All the all the facts point to a big increase in oil and gas prices next year. There's even reports now that without gas flowing from the Russians, the EU, the EU is going to run out of gas very quickly next year. But what do they do? Show any sign of yeah, changing right. course? None. Well, no, well, they're hoping for regime change in Moscow. That's what yeah, they're no, absolutely. Absolutely. That's their absolutely. That's their strategy. That's, they're they're but, praying to whatever whatever demonic forces they pray to, so that they could get some sort of regime change in Moscow. But I'm just looking at a Reuters article which says, PM Maloney urges Italians to turn off the lights in solidarity with Ukraine. What a disappointment she has become. But um, that's that's the point. The point is that um, it, it's what you said. The uh, the EU they're going to use this you know let's fight Putin by turning off the lights thing. So that's how they're going to gaslight. Their people, if people actually yeah. buy into that, well, okay, what, what can we say? We have a bridge to sell you, but um, the point in all this is that I think, and we've been saying this for a while, they'll probably eke out this winter, yeah, through these through these little gaslighting schemes and turning off the light here and centers where you can warm yourself up in Germany there and all these types of things, you know, rolling blackouts. They'll probably eke out this winter. Yeah. Well, two thousand twenty-three. Europe's got a big, big, massive problem. Absolutely, to which they have no answer and no plan. Uh, as you said, the only thing they can do is keep their fingers crossed and hope that Putin runs under a bus, <laughs> that someone in the Kremlin moves against him, that all of these most unlikely, any one of these most unlikely things will happen. I mean, you know, um, but that's what Western policy has been reduced to. I mean, hoping that something will turn up. You know, there's a character in one of Charles Dickens's novels, Mr. Micawber, who says this, you know, he, he, he goes into debt and he says, oh, it's all right. Something will turn up. I'll get by somewhere, somehow. And he ends up in prison. <laughs> well, in terms of the people of Europe, it might be worse. I mean, I read a report I don't know whether this is true or not, by the way. I'm seeing all kinds of reports. There was a report in Bloomberg, which I briefly believed. Well, I 
did believe when I read it, which was that Russian oil um, exports crashed by 54%. And somebody who is extremely authoritative contacted me privately and told me that's not true, that's complete nonsense, and provided me with a lot of data which said that that's absolutely not true. But anyway, you're getting all, all these all these sort of reports, all of these kind of things. I don't know why, by the way, if Russian oil exports really had crashed by 54%, it would be a good thing. But anyway, that's what that's that's what they have. They hope something will turn up. Somehow there'll be a magic bullet that will kill the Russians off and we'll be back where we were in 1995, piling into Russia, buying up its oil, buying up its gas, setting up our factories there and doing all those things. And, um, you know, all will be well. It's not going to happen. I mean, I don't see how it can happen. And as I said, I did read this report that energy consumption in Europe has now fallen by 20% already. Now, that's not consumers doing what Mrs. Maloney wants, which is switching off their bulb, light bulbs. I doubt very much many people will do that, by the way. It's a sign that Europe is falling into a very severe industrial recession indeed, because that's where the energy savings, those big energy savings must be coming from. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I read that Bloomberg article as well, but uh, it also, they also failed to mention, or maybe they did mention it in the article, I forgot, but uh, they failed to mention that uh, Russia has quadrupled it's uh, it's exports to like China, India, yeah. Turkey, yeah. all of these countries as well. So I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, they they, they sort of maybe in Europe they're yeah. not consuming Russian oil, but the, 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 they 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 did mention they it, but it. but but this has been explained to me, and they I you know, and I and thoroughly and in a very detailed way, the entire basis upon which that article was based was based on false data. I mean, it, an absolute mis misunderstanding of the data. The data that they were using and looking at doesn't actually say what Bloomberg thinks it does. So even though it got published in places like Zero Hedge, it was simply wrong. Yeah. Do you remember what part was wrong with it? Oh, yeah, lots. I mean, or, uh, uh, lots of things. I mean, you know, movements of tankers, movements of ships. Brief? Well, briefly, I mean, also they, may, they severely underestimated uh, um, uh, problems, bottlenecks in some Russian ports, and they also misunderstood a lot about tanker movements, which were not at all in the way that uh, Bloomberg seemed to think it was. I say that they misunderstood the data. Well, of course, maybe they did misunderstand it, and maybe something else. Maybe it was one of those articles. Maybe they didn't <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to uh, speculate on that. But anyway, no, those, those, those articles say that it was wrong. No, and those the articles are. No, go on. No, I was just going to say those articles are good for uh, for Ursula and, yeah. and all of these EU people because yeah. it makes it seem like, you know, yeah, our sanctions are working. You see, yeah. look what Bloomberg wrote. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. Anyway, all right. Uh, the Duran.locals.com. We are on Rockfin as well. And go to the Duran shop. 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care. <laughs>